Lord, maybe have walked with the Lord for a long time, maybe have just started walking with the Lord. So you may be at different degrees and different levels of spiritual maturity. So that's fine. Nobody's better than another person, but I'm not the same man I am today that I was when I first got saved, thank God, because I didn't know anything then. I still don't know a lot, but I know a lot more than I used to. How many of you can say amen to, amen. to you? You know a lot more than you used to. But how many of you believe that it is the will of God to bless you? Can I see your hands? Okay, looks like everyone. You have to believe that because in the beginning, I don't know if I believe God wanted to bless me or not. I knew I'd messed up my life, so I didn't have any type of revelation. Somebody said, oh, God wants to bless you. And it was like, okay, I'm ready. But, you know, I didn't, I don't know that I believed it. But we believe that God wants to bless us. So if we want to bless us, we need to determine how do we position ourselves for the blessings of God. Can I take a rabbit trail? Absolutely. How many of you saw the paper today, Pokemon Go? I saw it in, I saw it in, in your room. Headlines. Head, headlines. Okay. I don't know what it means. But this is what I know in my spirit. I know in my spirit when something is right, and I know in my spirit when something is wrong. Can I see the hands of all the people that you know that? Oh, yeah. Never. How many of you have found out the hard way? that you knew something was wrong and you tried it anyway and then you find out it was wrong. You had to check in your spirit. I don't understand this, but I'm going to take a survey here. I love surveys. How many of you believe that Pokemon is, you don't even know anything about it? Let me just see your hands. I'm okay. How many of you think, hey, this is really a great thing, man. I love it. Okay. How many of you have a check in your spirit I appreciate the honesty. How many of you have a check in your spirit that something is not right inherently with the root of Pokemon? Can I see your hands? Praise God. Don't ever overrule your spirit. And I checked with, you know, a young person today, and uh, sure enough, they're in it, and uh, they love it. And, um, you know, they're not just going to listen to me that, hey, I don't think you should do that because I cannot articulate that thing is not good. But for me, I'm not going to play Pokemon, and I'm not going to allow my wife to play Pokemon. No, I'm <laughs> just kidding. I couldn't even play this Pac-Man without almost going into a coronary. It's a little bit off the subject. That thing kept trying to eat me all the time. I was trying to get out of its way. Pac-Man? Yes. Uh, you, I, almost... I was trying to eat things, and that thing come after me all the time. She was something to watch, watching Pac-Man. I don't think Pac-Man was bad, bad for your blood pressure, but, uh, but, but uh, we're entering. I'm getting off on a tangent here, but I just want to encourage all of you, parents, grandparents, everyone has the influence. Not everybody's going to listen to you, but you have influence. Plant the seed of your influence when you have a check in your spirit about something. Don't let this thing go on. It's sweeping the world not just the nation. It's sweeping the world. Something in my spirit says that thing is not right. Where were we? On obedience. On obedience. Mm -hmm. Want to talk about our dog? You, go ahead. You talk, you, tell me what you think about obedience, and then we'll talk about our dog. Well, I think it's better to obey God than to not obey God. Isn't that revelation? Because the word of God is truth. And when we're in disobedience, the door is open for the enemy to attack our lives. It isn't that we're bad people. It's not that God's upset with us and he's going to tell the devil to get us. 
Uh, you remember there, years ago there used to be a show, some of you would remember, The Devil Made Me Do It? Flip Wilson. Well, you know, that doesn't exonerate you from the consequences. The enemy is still going to bring the consequences into your life just because we say the devil made me do it, even if we really believe it. You know, I didn't mean to do that. Uh, some other person's responsible for my behavior. Anytime we let the door open to the enemy, he will come in. Now, we may not see it at first, but he's there. He's working. You know, uh, we had termites once and uh, in, this, in this building because of the rain and the water and stuff. Now, you can get rid of termites, but you better find out they're there before the whole wall falls out the back of the building. And you don't see them necessarily, but there, there's always a little telltale uh, sign that they're there if somebody's looking. Everybody say, somebody's looking. And so when we're obedient to God, then we're seeing and hearing and knowing things that we need to know for our protection, for the protection of our family. But if we're disobedient... Our, our our system is down. You know, people use ADT and other things to protect their homes. We have the Holy Spirit. We have the, the, the Word of God. And if we're disobedient, that does not register in our uh, ability to prevent. We'll figure it out when it happens. How many of you ever found out, oops, the devil's in this? But it, he's already there. The idea is for Christians to keep him out of ever getting there. So obedience is our way of protecting. That's a good word, honey. Uh, am I a little strong, heart, uh, strong up here or not? Not too. Okay. Uh, the, um, uh, you have to believe that there is a devil. Not, not believe in the devil, but you, the, now the many people in the world believe in the devil uh, and devil worship. But you have to believe that there is a devil and that he is that proverbial walking around as a roaring lion, and he has that ability to do that. He has not been thrown into the lake of fire yet. And that he is in the airwaves, and that he is attacking homes, and, and the only authority that I believe he has is through disobedience with a believer. If a believer is obedient to what God is telling you to do, you are positioned in the will of God. The perfect will of God is where you're positioned if you're obedient. If you're not obedient, you have positioned yourself in disobedience. How many of you get that so far? Mm-hmm. Three of you. Thank you. Okay. Glory to God. This is a participation service. How many of you get that so far? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Now, if you're obedient, you're under the protection of God with the power of God and the blessings of God we're going to talk about in just a moment. If you're disobedient, you have moved into the enemy's camp. God is not going to get you. The devil is going to get you. And he's going to steal your goods. And not only that, but the blessings of God are not coming upon the disobedient people of God. Does that make sense so far? Everybody say, I get it. I get it. Okay, now, we're going to read in Deuteronomy 28 what it says, because... It's such a powerful scripture. And uh, where, where I was going with our dog uh, the other day, I have never trained our dog. Little Yorkie Poo, cutest little thing. Didn't want the dog. Pam wanted the dog. I fell in love with the dog. Uh, I, I just love the dog. Just Only a, believe half of what he tells you about Just a cute little dog. Just jumps on my lap. When I go home, that dog wags his tail, smiles at me, jumps on my lap. You know, whatever guy wants his wife to do. And anyway, you'll you get that later. But 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 what, what that dog just follows me around the house. So the other day we had the carpet clean just a couple days ago. And and the dog just whenever I tell one day I said, go to the kitchen and she ran the kitchen. 
I thought, wow, I wonder why she, how she did that. I never trained her to do that. She'd just go to the kitchen, get in her bed. And so anyway, we, we trained the carpet and uh, er, trained the carpet, cleaned the carpet. <laughs> Trained the carpet not to get dirty Clean anymore. Cleaned the dog and trained the carpet we, we, right we, on. We trained it. So, so anyway, I, I took her bed because we had to put her in the back bedroom. So I put, took her bed in the back bedroom. Well, she saw me take her bed back there. She, she literally goes room to room, whatever room. So anyway, we're back out there in the kitchen, and I was getting ready to leave, and the carpet person was going to come in about two hours, and I said, uh, I said, Dusty, you got to go get in your bed. And she's standing right next to me, and she took off running all the way through the house to the back bedroom and got in her uh, bathroom and got in her bed. And I thought, how did she know to do that? She is one intelligent, obedient dog. And therefore, she didn't get one treat. She got three treats. Now, I believe that God wants to bless us, but he does it through our faith in him that he can but through our obedience to do what he's telling us to do. And in Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 1 and 3, I remember out there in Tulsa when I didn't know anything, and I told you, I've still got a lot to learn, but, but, but I didn't know anything. I started reading these scriptures, and I thought, gosh, where have I been all my life? I didn't know that. And verse number 28 says, Now it shall come to pass, if you diligently, and that word means full of intense, strong passion and quick, Now, it will come to pass if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all of His commandments, which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth, and all these blessings will come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. And and the word blessed or blessings in, in the Hebrew, Ashar, is to be happy, to be prosperous, to be successful, and to be content. That is God's will for us, honey. And the only criteria for that is that we be obedient to do what He's called us to do. He's watching what we're doing so that He can bless us. But as a good father, He knows that if He blesses disobedience, He will reinforce disobedience. And I believe that's where we are in the world today with people to make a decision Am I going to be obedient to do what God is showing me, or am I going to do what I want to do? Whenever I think of obedience, I think when I was a little girl, I think of our home was on uh, Highway 25 through Logansport. And at that time, there were no interstates like close by. So the route all the way from Indianapolis up to Chicago, up to uh, South Bend, you know, the people would come up and down that road. And we were on the way out of town. So semis and and people, just people driving, they would begin to speed up. Uh, Even though the speed limit was still city speed limit, they would begin to crank it up because they knew they were going to be, after they made this next curve, they would be on the highway. So they just, you know, they began to anticipate that so they'd start going faster. Well, there wasn't a lot of room in our front yard. We had a huge backyard, but we didn't have very much front yard. And uh, it was it was like our yard, and then the sidewalk, and then a little more yard, and then the curb. And we moved there when I was five, and my sister was three. And uh, my parents were wonderful parents, but I want to tell you, you had the fear of God in you to step your foot on the other side of that sidewalk, because we were told if you do that, you will get switched for going across that. A real switch. A real switch. Yeah, my mother had one of those things yeah. that 
wrap around your leg and leave a welt. You know, remember those? <laughs> and, uh, and she wasn't afraid to use it. She didn't beat us, but we knew. We learned obedience. It, now, I don't think she did that because she was trying to be mean to us. She was teaching us instant obedience. So when she yelled, stop, we stopped. Why? Because there's traffic going both ways. You know, what would have been uh, worse if she'd have said, go play in the street. You know, uh, you know, somebody will stop for you. You know, that, 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 would have been, that wouldn't have been a good mom. But a good mom, a good father, a person who really loves us is going to keep us out of harm's way. And so, you know, some, you know, you've heard that expression, go play in traffic, but we, God doesn't want us playing in traffic. And there are enemies in that traffic that's out there to attack us, to steal, kill, and destroy. So Jesus said, I've come to give you life and give it more abundantly. However, you're going to have to keep that wall of protection up against the enemy from him having an opportunity. Everybody say opportunity opportunity to attack us and do to us what in the end we don't want. And really the reason we're disobedient is because we think we want something that if we really put it down on paper, we would say, no, I really don't want that. I took my little granddaughter swimming one night and uh, she was in the pool. She's seven. And she said, you know, I was thinking on the way home that I would like to have maybe chicken fingers, the chicken nuggets for, for kids, and french fries. But she said, I don't like the french fries at Dairy Queen, but I do like the chicken at Dairy Queen, but I like the french fries at Arby's. Could you get out a paper and a pen, and let's do the pros and cons? I'm thinking you're seven. Why do we have to do the pros and cons? of the, How do you even know what that is? She knew exactly what that was. Well, you know, there's the pro side and there's the con side in the kingdom of God. The pro side is I'm going with God. The con side is this isn't God. And sometimes we need to take out a paper. We need to draw a line down the middle and we need to evaluate what we're looking at and say, does this go on the pro side? You know, is this pro God or is this not God? Is this actually going to become pro the enemy, an opportunity? Amen. That's a really good word. You know, uh, when, you're, when, you're, when you enter into obedience and, uh, and you realize how simple the Word of God is, we do what God tells us by His written Word or we do what God tells us by His Spirit, and that's called obedience. We may not understand what it means, but we do what He says. And then later on the blessing comes and it was because we positioned ourselves exactly the way God wanted us to position ourselves. Sometimes it, it doesn't make any sense. Uh, I, I remember the, the Apostle Paul, you could just jot this scripture down, but, but Philippians 4, 10 through 20, if you study that about Paul, he, he wrote two-thirds of the Bible. To the best of our knowledge, some scholars differ, but to the best of our knowledge, Paul did everything God told him to do. And, and, and along the way, he had a lot of opportunities that came against him. Sometimes you can do what you think God's telling you to do, but you don't see what you think are the blessings, or at least you don't see them quickly enough as far as you're concerned. But look at Paul. He said, I can do all things through 
Christ who strengthens me. My God will supply all of my needs. And here's his background. Here's his resume. Paul's journey. He was blinded. He was beaten. He was in prison. He was snake bit. He was shipwrecked. Never married. Uh, wrote two-thirds of the Bible. You look at all of that with Paul and you think, how could he keep being obedient to do what God was telling him to do? But he said, I was not disobedient to the heavenly calling. The devil was constantly trying to woo Paul away from his calling to be obedient to what he called him to do. I remember a time in our life, honey, and you know, I heard about things like this happening, but, but it was the first time it really happened to us. We were coming back to Lafayette, and, and to the best, I'm not saying I did everything right, but to the best of my ability, we were doing what God told us to do. We had hardly had food to eat most of the time. We, had all, we just had all sorts of challenges, but God was opening door after door after door, but I never saw what I would call prosperity in our lives. And, but I heard all these people tell stories about things like that. We're getting ready to come back to Lafayette with the kids for a few days. I don't remember what it was right now. And... Uh, we had a car that worked, and it would have gotten us back here, but it was, it was kind of shaky. And a guy call, called me, and uh, I probably still should honor what he said, so I won't say. Okay, he, 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 I'll get to the end of the story in a minute. But a guy called me, and he said, look, I'd like for you to borrow my car to go back to Lafayette. And I said, no, 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 I don't want to do this. He said, no, no, I insist. I want you to take my car. It's in better condition than your car. And so I said, okay. So we took the car back. We're in Lafayette, driving around, having a great time. It was in August. R.W. Schombach was down in Indianapolis. I wanted to go see him. I just was always a follower of his. And, and so we're driving around town, and bam, the air conditioner goes out. Take it in. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You got a borrowed car. Something happened. Took it in. The guy said, hey, you need a new compressor. I said, well, how much is that? I said, $400. And we talked about it. Well, if I call the guy who had the car, I know he'd replace the air conditioner. I said, honey, I don't believe we're supposed to do that. In my spirit, I felt like I was supposed to pay for it. I didn't have the money. Turn to your neighbor and say, have you ever not had money? <laughs> I didn't have the money to pay for it. All I could do was put it on a credit card, and this is what I heard. And, and the credit card was pretty, maxed, pretty close to being maxed out. And all I heard was, pay for it yourself. And I thought, man, I've got to tell Pam. I don't know how she'll feel about this. She said, if you feel that's God, do it. So okay. So we replaced the air conditioner. Never told the guy. Never told the guy. Never mentioned it to anybody. Fast forward about eight months. Is this car, when the man bought the car and drove it on the, on the car lot of the church, I saw it. And I told Pam, it was, a, it was a brand new Chevy Caprice. And I told Pam, I said, oh, honey, if I was going to buy a car, if I, if I, if I was going to get a car, it would be that car. The most beautiful car I'd seen. Love that car. Fast forward eight months later, I'm walking out the door at the Maybe Center. And the guy calls me over to the car, and he said, Bill, I've been praying. My wife and I, God told us to give you this car. I said, he what? <laughs> he said, he, he told me to give you this car. I said, wow. He said, one condition. I said, what's that? I'll meet any condition. <laughs> and he said, don't tell anybody who did it. Uh, don't tell anybody I gave it to you. And that, uh, that it was me. Well, it was kind of obvious it was him. But anyway, uh, he said, don't tell anybody. And I said, I won't tell anybody. Up until that point in time. I never did it. I believe that there was a direct connection. Not, it wasn't about the air conditioner and it wasn't about the money. But I believe there's a direct connection to the obedience of doing what God said to pay for the AC when I didn't know how I could do it. And I didn't want to do it particularly, but I heard in my spirit. Now, how many of you are with me so far? You know what you hear. Turn to your neighbor and tell I know what I hear. How, let me see the hands of all the people that sometimes when you hear, it doesn't make any sense. 
to you. But you start to recognize that voice and you become obedient to that voice. You may never until years later know what that meant. But here's what I believe. I believe it's no different than in a business, no different than in the military. If somebody will follow orders and be obedient, they're going to get promoted and they're going to get blessed. And that's God's key. It comes right out of the Word of God, that if we do what God said, He sees that He has someone that He can trust. And, and I know that nobody wants to think that God doesn't, can't trust me. But if God shows us what to do and we don't do it, then He can't really trust us to give us more to do because we're not doing what he's telling us. Does that make sense or am I getting too yeah, deep? If, you, if, if he can give us, it's true what Pastor Bill says oftentimes. He'll say, if God can get it through us, he'll get it to us. Yeah. Well, how does God know? Well, he knows from those kind of small things. Uh, you know, I, you know I've sometimes, I'm in a restaurant, you know, and, and the Lord will tell me to leave a tip bigger than even my bill. Why does he do that? Well, I don't know, but I could think, but that's all the cash I got. But I just do it because yeah. I know when I hear that voice that it, it, if it is God, I've, I've done what I was supposed to, I weighed. If it's the devil, I mean, he's had a temporary mind reversal or something because he wouldn't tell me to bless somebody. But Amen. regardless, I'm going to do what I believe it would be the Lord, and, I, and, I, and I'm not going to be short because I did it. Because over the years... We've seen that when we obey, God will take care of it. There was a point in our lives when uh, we sold a house that was here in Lafayette. We were in Tulsa, and we needed a lot of money because the IRS, they didn't care for us a whole lot, and there were some issues. And uh, did, I'm sorry, I wasn't The listening. IRS, I know you weren't. I what? can tell. Um, the house, uh-huh. your house that we sold. Yep. And when we sold it, we, we sold it to another believer and it oh, wasn't yeah. as much money as probably we should have had for the house. But we felt that God said to do it, so we did it. Well, a few years later, uh, our oldest daughter, Debbie, Bill's daughter, was getting married. And uh, we were still paying back the IRS, and we didn't have extra money. We had enough money to make it, but we didn't have extra money. And every father wants to pay for his daughter's wedding. And I was she, coming back to do the wedding yeah. and did not have the money to pay for it. She was paying for it herself. Yeah, and she was going to pay for it, which yeah. she could. But uh, in that time we were home, this man called Bill to come over and see him. And so Bill went over there to his office. And probably you should tell it because I wasn't there. Yeah, I, you know, I was coming back to do officiate my daughter's wedding, and I was so excited for her and all. And, and, and when she called me, she knew the situation out there in Tulsa. And uh, she said, Dad, don't be concerned about the money. I have, I have the money saved up for the wedding. Everything's fine. Well, that didn't make me feel good. That broke my heart further. And, uh, but I knew that there was nothing that I was able to do. And so when I sat in the man's office, when he called me up, just out of the blue, and I went out and sat down with him, and he said, how you doing? I said, well, da, 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 and gave him an update and all. And he said, listen, I want to tell you, when, when I uh, bought that house from you, I, I feel like I took advantage of you. And I didn't want to say anything, because we did what I felt like God said to accept the offer. But, but I agreed with him. <laughs> I, think <he'd> think of <laughs> I didn't say it to him. But, and he said, uh, so he called his secretary in and uh, wrote out a check for, I think it was, I, I don't remember the exact amount, but I think it was $2,000 or something like that, maybe three, and, um, and gave me the check. And I said, well, thank you so much. And I'm thinking, wow. I, said, the, I knew the wedding was about 45, close to 5000 4500 something like that. 
and uh, in this day and age, it was an inexpensive wedding. And but so, but anyway, um, I thought, well, great, this will help with the wedding. I got up to leave, and I started leaving. He said, wait a minute, wait a minute. The Lord just spoke to me. I didn't give you enough. And he gave me the rest that made up the balance to pay for the entire wedding. I believe it was direct. Yeah, give the Lord a hand. He's, he's no respecter of persons. Now, I'm not telling you that I do everything right because I don't. But I know this. When we plant obedience into the ground, it is eventually somewhere going to produce fruit in our lives. And it will also be the will of God that went forth in that situation. And uh, I'll never forget that. I mean, it was just, it, it just took a huge weight right off of me. But I believe God is looking and searching for people who will be obedient. We throw the faith word around a lot. I'm a person of faith, and I have faith in God, and I have this, and I have this. And it has been my experience with people that get in trouble. That I'm, and I'm serious, it sounds like funny, but when I talk to them, when I counsel with them or anything, I say, what's God telling you to do? Eventually, when we get to the root, they know what God said in a certain area of their lives, and they're not doing it. That's not a faith person. That's a foolish person. <laughs> Turn to your neighbor and say, are you getting this? That's not a faith person. That's a foolish person. A faith person loves God with all their heart, all their mind, all their strength, all their soul. And whatever God says, they're going to do it. And God's the, got the consequences. And if I live, I live. If I die, I die. And that is a faith person. And when we get to that point in Isaiah 118, see, f- obedience to God is putting us in the center of the will of God, like I said earlier. And God said in, uh, in Isaiah 118 that the, w- that the willing and the obedient. Everybody say willing, willing. And, obedient. and obedient. The willing and obedient will eat the good of the land. In other words, the blessings will come your way. They'll come upon you, and you'll be blessed in everything that you do. Now, we're all willing. Let's just say it. I am willing. I am but we all then also have to be obedient. It goes hand in hand. Without that, it's not going to work. Matthew 6.10, Jesus said, when you pray the Lord's Prayer, my kingdom come, thy will be done, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And in 1 John chapter 5, 14 and 15, just paraphrase this and then let Pam take over. It says that if you ask anything in accordance with the will of God, in other words, His plan, His purpose, what He wants you to do, you ask anything and He will give it to you because He wants you to have everything that you need to accomplish what He wants you to accomplish. So when you know what God is saying, then you can release your faith in Him that everything that you have need of, I don't even know if I said that correctly. Let me read that scripture again because I remember this scripture when I first heard it and I thought, wow, that is powerful. Now this is the confidence that we have in Him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we've asked of him. That's not us thinking, I want this or I want that, and God's going to give it to me because I have faith for him to give it to me. That is saying, God has sent me on a mission. He has sent me on an assignment. So therefore, whatever financial blessings I need to fulfill it, it'll be there. Whatever transportation I need will be there. Whatever intelligence I need, whatever I'm lacking in maturity and authority in my own being, God will show me how, and God will take care of everything, honey. And then... That means we're, we're just not fearful to do anything God says. We never think about failure. You know, the blessings of God where it says that they will overtake us. Can you put that scripture back up? It's, yeah. it's in uh, Deuteronomy 28, 1 and 2. Um, 
when things overtake you, that means you didn't really know it was even coming. You know, have you ever been driving down the highway and suddenly something overtakes you? You know, like they're going 90 on 65 (laughs) instead of 70. And they suddenly come out of the blue and they overtake you, you know, and go around you. It's your pastor. Uh, Yes, I was just going to say, it could be Pastor Bill. I'm sorry. He's usually wanting to warn the people up in front of us that they're going too fast. And so he's trying to catch them. That's what he says. But anyway, that's overtaking. You know, I I think we sometimes need visuals of things that, you know, like it's going to overtake us. Uh, We're we're just doing what we're supposed to be doing. Uh, You know, when we did that with that car, fixed that compressor, I mean, we had to drive around a while and talk ourselves into doing the thing that God told us to do. We didn't just go, oh, sure, no problem. You know, we'll just put it on a cart and we'll just figure that out Yeah, later. it's not as easy as it made it sound. <laughs> no, you know, and so don't misunderstand that those things uh, become a, a place where either God is God or he isn't God and we're going to have to obey. But in that, that day we walked out of the Maybe Center in Tulsa after service, and that man said, come over here, I'm going to give you this car. This car that you put the compressor in is now your car. Well, one thing we don't have to think about, it's got a new compressor. We know that. But, you know, it's, it, it, it overtook us. I mean, we were just shocked uh, when that man gave Pastor Bill that money for his daughter's wedding. I mean, we came home excited for her, but really uh, in our heart thinking, God, we know this is we know this is something that you've put in our heart, but we can't do it. And then God just overtook us with that blessing for her. Uh, overtaking us is the way God wants us to live. Not, oh, I hope God comes through next week because if he doesn't, you know, it, that's not the way God wants. I don't think that's the way he wants believers to live. We need to live believing that they're going to overtake us, not because of what's in our checkbook. Could I say that again? Not because of those things, but because we know that we've been doing what God told us to do. So for certain, he is going to do his word. It says his word will not return void. So he's going to do what he says. And in James, you know, um, the devil is the one that's going to steal from us. I encourage you that when things come that God, you know, in your heart is saying, do this, that that it's not God who's going to punish you for not doing it. It's the devil who's going to steal from you. Yep. Does that make sense? It's, we, we have to get this right because in the world, everybody blames God for everything. I mean, you know, there's disasters and they're always, you know, a work of God, you know, or, you know, just God's, God's totally in control of everything. And I didn't have anything to do with this. Well, that's, that causes people to not be safe. Or want to be with God. That's not the truth. God wants us to use his wisdom. Everybody say his wisdom. wisdom. And you know, uh, in 4, 7, it says, therefore, submit to God. Everybody say, submit to God. And then it says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Uh, The only person who should be walking with us or involved in our life at all is the spirit of God. And, and God on our side doing what we're supposed to do. And, and there's things in my life that even right now, I struggle with doing what God's telling me to do. But I know if I do them, I will be blessed. If I don't, I won't. Are you getting? I mean, it's just truth. We say that every service. 
But when, it, when the rubber meets the road is when we're having to step out and we can't see how it's going to do what God is telling us it's going to do. That's when we need to know the wisdom of God is peaceable. It brings fruit. Everybody say it brings fruit. It brings fruit. And it's in James 3. I want to I read this to you because the wisdom of the enemy brings strife and every evil work. It says the wisdom... See, if you, well, this is bitter envy and self-seeking. Everybody say self-seeking. False teaching. Disobedience comes when people like me or you or anybody begin to do what we want or do what makes us feel like we're okay instead of doing what God wants. Mm -hmm. And then it says, this wisdom does not descend from above, but it is earthly, sensual, and demonic. You cannot sow into that wisdom and be overtaken with the blessings of God because that seed will not produce the right harvest. It'll produce a harvest, but it won't produce the one we're looking for. And then it says, for where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. But the wisdom, this is God's word. This is the, the things God says. If you're obedient to this wisdom that is from above, it's pure, it's peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy, good fruits. Everybody say good fruits. Good fruit. God wants us to have a harvest of good fruits in our lives. But we have to make that decision that we're going to do what God says. And that's wisdom. That's that's the wisdom of God. That's a good word. You know, I just thought of another example too. I was going to tell him about that with Mr. Wilkerson that one day because it was so so powerful. It seems like things just start out and then gradually build when you live that kind of a life. And again, I don't want you to think that I do everything right or that no. Pam does doesn't does everything right. I can tell you a lot of things she doesn't do right. No, I'm just kidding, sweetheart. But 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 we just were stay uh, with me. You'll see if you, you know the uh, uh, the things of God are small that He wants us to do. He doesn't give us a whole big picture. He just says, do this, do this. And and if we start to think about the details or lean to our understanding, then we short circuit. And I just thought about this. It's a worldly expression, but you know, it's kind of true. The devil is in the details. How many of you ever heard that? The devil is in the details. Well, stay out of the details and stay into what did God say. And this one day we're going to a marriage seminar and the tires on my car were, were really, really about bald. Now, you would think, why would I be, why didn't I replace the tires versus look for another car? Well, number one, I didn't have enough money to buy tires. And number two, I thought if I could finance a car, at least it would have tires on it. Now, to, to you sitting here today, you might think, you, look, you really don't look that dumb. But, but I'm telling you, that was we somewhat of the logic. We're getting ready to go to a marriage retreat. Yeah, and we're sharing And, and we're getting ready to go to a marriage retreat. And this is what I heard. Because the marriage retreat is about 40 miles away. Uh, uh, go down to Mr. Wilkerson's. He, he, was, he was part of the church, Mr. Wilkerson, and, uh, and, and, uh, uh, and look at the cars. And I thought, well, okay, I, I, we could drive down there, but I don't have any money to buy a car, but I'll go down. And so, so I told Pam, and, and I don't remember if you said this or not, why are we going down there, whatever. And I said, I feel like the Lord wants us to go down there. It's okay. So on the way to the marriage retreat, we, we, we had several, uh, we were leaving real early to just 
have some time together. So we drove down the dealership, and he said, oh, hi, and he gave us a guy, and he said, hey, we're going to test drive your car and see how much you can give it on a trade-in. And so he comes back, and he said, oh, the guy said the car's okay. It's not, not that bad. We can't give you a lot for it. But he said, hey, he said you really need new tires. I said, oh, really? <laughs> As if I didn't know. But it is, yeah, and he said, hey, come on in my office here, and I'll, I'll scrabble up, uh, scribble out some uh, figures for you. So he put some figures down, and I couldn't afford any of them. And I said, I, I really thank you. I said, I, I just don't think that, you know, we're going to be able to do that. And he said, okay. He said, listen, they got a sale next door at this uh, tire place, and uh, you can get a really good deal over there right now. I think they probably got some uh, time they could do that, for, uh, put tires on right now. And he said, it's really a heck of a deal. I said, yeah, okay, I, I tell you what, I'll call him later on. I'm doing everything I can to think how I can get out of his office, because he's so excited about this great deal. And uh, he said, well, you don't want to do it right now? And I said, no, I'll just call him later on. And we're sitting there, and I, I, I'm not perspiring, but I can feel myself just getting red and, and everything. And so so I kind of shuffled around like I was going to get up in the chair, and he said, you don't want new tires? And he said, oh, yeah, I do. I said, I'll, I'll just call him later on. He said, why don't I call him right now? And he reached the phone, he picks up the phone, he starts dialing. I don't have any money for the tires, credit cards maxed up, and he's calling the guy. And I said, Mr. Wilkerson, I think maybe, maybe I could just do it later on. He says, you don't understand. I'm buying the tires. And, and he made the call. Now, I'm thinking, oh, my goodness. I came down here because God said so, and God knew that he was going to touch his heart to buy me tires because he knew my idea of buying a car for tires was awfully stupid. <laughs> and I, I believe, thought so, too. Now, so I, was just, I was just going with him. <laughs> I've, done, I've done dumber things than that. But, but it, it's, like, it's like God is watching to say, will they do what I say? And if you just drive on the car dealership, God will take care of the rest. But if you don't drive to the car dealership, you're not going to get it. I mean, I never went down there thinking I was going to get four new tires. The only reason I went was because I thought God said to go. And, and so the rest all came to pass. First Samuel chapter 15 is such a powerful scripture. And uh, it, it's, it's the story, uh, I'm just paraphrasing, of Saul. Saul was handpicked by uh, God, but Saul had a problem. And, and a lot of people say Saul had a problem with prayer, and Saul had a problem with this, and Saul had a problem with that. Saul just had a lot of problems, but the bottom line was he was not obedient to God. If Saul had been obedient to God, handpicked by God, he would have been in position, and he would have been, he'd have done great and mighty exploits. But he did not have obedience to God. And when everything came crashing down on Saul, this is what Samuel said about Saul's life. I believe it's true for many people. Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed than the fat of rams. For rebellion, now this is disobedience, for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. I want to say that again. For rebellion, disobedience, is as the sin of of witchcraft. It's demonic. All the rebellion is demonic. And stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you from being the king. It is just that powerful. If we would understand that in raising our children, raising our family, 
we were to realize that the moment we allow disobedience into families, into situations, into nations that drive us away from God, that the, pot, the, 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 the devil comes in there. And in 1 Timothy, that's what it says, honey, that, that in, in 1 Timothy 3.2, uh, that whole line about the end times, 2 Timothy 3.2, that, 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 that the people will be disobedient. And I don't want to make a bad confession, but it's a true confession. I believe the root of a lot of our problem in America and the world today is the lack of respect for obedience. We have disrespect. We have disobedience. It's in the natural realm and it's in the spiritual realm. And what we have and what we're going to have, I believe, because it's, it's all recorded right there in 2 Timothy, we're going to have an explosion of disobedience. And when you have that explosion of disobedience, you have an explosion of demonic activity. We're seeing it already in the world right now. You know, um, that word that I shared on Sunday uh, about the, when the Lord said to me, America will destroy herself from within not from an enemy that's without. That's right. And it's, it's when rebellion and anger, all those emotions that go with rebellion, yeah. uh, begin to take root in people, and they're not, they're not listening anymore. They can't hear anymore. Yeah. And I was reminded today of um, Elijah, you know, after he had that big confrontation with the prophet, uh, prophets of Baal and his God and, and our God showed up and, and uh, all, all those prophets were destroyed of evil, uh, immediately just one woman, Jezebel, said, I'm going to kill you, and he ran off to hide. You know, he was beside himself. If you know that story, I'm, I'm paraphrasing. Mm-hmm. But in that place, God came to talk to him. And in that place, it said, and there was a strong wind, but God wasn't in the wind. And then there was an earthquake, and God wasn't in the earthquake. And, uh, you know, God isn't always the loudest voice. He's not always in those things that we seem. The third one uh, was he wasn't he wasn't in the wasn't in the fire. That was the third one. The fire there was fire, and he wasn't in the fire. But what he was was a still small voice. Once people get into disobedience, they don't hear. You know uh, how many of you have ever had children that were disobedient, and no matter what you're trying to tell them, it's like they're not hearing what you're. They, they don't even understand. Adults are the same way. When, when, you know, when we get into disobedience, it's like our, our ability to hear the still small voice. Uh, you know, reasoning, nothing, nothing that's of the word be, makes any sense. It's like, but, that's, but, but, it, but you don't understand. This is what's happening to me. But the, the, Elijah was being chased by Jezebel. She would love to have killed him. But he had forgotten that still small voice. That was God's voice that was he had been assigned by God to be a prophet. And Jezebel had nothing to do with that. Jezebel couldn't take him out. But fear could take him out. And when he was in fear, he didn't hear what God was saying to him. And he became very sullen and depressed. And, and I was looking at all the circumstances. That's, that's what the devil is trying to do to the world's already in it, but to Christians. He's beginning to stir up such confusion because we can be just as self-seeking as the world. Except for the grace of God, there go every one of us. I mean, it it doesn't have, pastors are not exempt. Uh, Evangelists are not, nobody's exempt from 
from being deceived or pulled away from the things of God. The thing that keeps us away from that is being obedient to the Word of God. And at any cost, just because we do not want to be in that place where we can no longer hear. And I believe that's what's happened even in the body of Christ. They're not, they're not hearing even if somebody's sharing with them. They're not, they're not hearing. It's like this thing is draped over them yeah. because of disobedience. Yeah. A- and so it's a, it's a critical place to be. You know, I, I was thinking as we were sharing, uh, and I almost forget this little clip we have up here in just a moment, but, uh, but a, a lot of the blessings that we've had in this church over all the years have been if we just do what God says. And uh, I remember that that man that I had always prayed for and believed for, but never came to our church. And when we moved from the previous location, I was always real kind to him and all. And and we had all the trucks and all coming in. And there's this guy that wouldn't step foot in our church. He was, uh, he wasn't... Never did. Uh, he he wasn't exactly mean, but he was he was worldly. He was Surly. just just, a, just a not a pleasant guy to be around. Uh, he he died and, and went on to heaven because he received the Lord right at the end. But he wouldn't come into a church. But uh, but I was always kind to him because I felt like God said, "Just be kind to him. Just be kind to him." And you might think, "Why well, aren't you kind to everybody?" No, some people I don't even like. Uh, but you know, <laughs> you know what? It's like you just no, I don't want to be kind to him. But I don't want to be around him. But when we moved the church and brought and we had the trucks. And some of you were here. We did it all in one day. And I pulled a truck up behind the church, and the guy's parked over there in his Cadillac across the street. He got out of his Cadillac, ran across the street, I rolled down the window, and he threw a wad of bills. I've never seen anything like this other than a movie. They were not. Uh, they they were like this. It looked like a haystack. Big haystack of bills with rubber bands around them. I don't know where he got them. But anyway, he threw them in the truck and he said, I believe in what you're doing. Turned around, ran back and got in his car and took off. Never saw him in the church ever. But he said, I believe in what you're doing. I believe God has supernatural blessings, but we have to be in a supernatural position to receive the supernatural blessings. I believe that what God is going to do in this church, I, I never believed this one. I, I never thought this when we started, but I believe that the building and the land we have, this came after we started doing it, is going to be directly connected to our obedience in the Sudan. I really believe that. And uh, Pastor Stanley, we need to pray for the Sudan and insert that in here right now. They've had war that has warfare that's broken out again in Juba. And, and and some of it has spread over on the Juba to Ye Road, and it's 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 just the, it's a flashpoint. And uh, I talked to Stanley yesterday, and a lot of people from the community are flocking to the Dreamland. That's not funny. It's not funny the war, but are flocking to the Dreamland. And Stanley says we got a whole community out there at the Dreamland, plus all the kids. They just feel safe out there. And I said, Well, Stanley, how many weapons you have? He said, Got one rifle and the Lord. <laughs> And he started laughing. I said, well, sounds like you got the majority. So we'll, we'll, they are protected in Jesus' name. But take a look at this picture that they're going to put up there right now. You may not be able to tell what that is. That is going to be huge. That is Pastor Stanley's home. Glory to God. Let's give the Lord a hand. Four bedrooms, two baths. Uh, solar power, water, running water, indoor bathrooms. That is going to be a bright light to the nation of the Sudan. I believe that with all of my heart. So 2 Corinthians, what we have to do now 
is determined. How do we live in obedience? Ask your neighbor, how do you live in obedience? How do you live in obedience? That's the question. How do we live in obedience? Well, we just, it, it sounds kind of simple, but we say, do whatever God says. Do you know that you don't do anything unless you want to do it? Do you know that? That's a weak head nod. How many of you know that you don't do anything unless you want to do it? Some people say, oh, I didn't mean to do that. Yes, you did. You did it because you meant to do it. You thought it. You did it. It's your fault. Not anybody else's. You did it. You are responsible for all of your action. Do you believe that? Yes, and okay, I think that's well, another preach situation to you tonight, that then. we have to no, do. No, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Let's, let's look, because this is the formula. It, God, God, God always tells us how to respond. Sometimes when people say, well, I don't feel like it. It's like, what does that have to do with it? What does your feelings have to do with it? Get over your feelings and get into submission to the will of God. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, isn't that right? Absolutely. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh... We do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down every argument and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought, how many? Every. Bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Now, and listen to this. And being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Who should punish your disobedience? Me. You should. You buffet your body. You punish your disobedience. You walk in obedience. And the blessings of God will come upon us and overtake us, honey. It is just that simple. God does not punish you for being disobedient. But you should punish yourself by saying, I refuse to do that anymore. I know it's contrary to the will of God. I know it's separating me from, the, from God. I know it's bringing the devil into my family. It's bringing the devil into my home. It's bringing the devil into my mind. And I am the person that needs to stop and become obedient to do what God said and don't say anything God didn't say and say what he said and do what he said and you will be blessed. You know, uh, punishment in the word of God uh, God is a correcting God. God corrects things. <clears throat> he will correct us. How many of you have ever been corrected by God? Mm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's like, oh, okay. Uh, it, it's not like man's correction. It's something on the inside of us that God brings. Uh, and, and so he, he will correct us, but I'm thankful for God's correction. I'm thankful that God tells me when I'm not doing it the right way. Yep. Because I know it's because he cares about me. Just like my dad, you know, he would correct us. And he didn't do that because he didn't like us. He did it because he wanted to see us be all that we could be. And so, um, it, you know, this scripture, I remember where I was standing. It was in uh, OREA, Oral Roberts Evangelistic Association. And um, it was just, I don't know why I was, in the, I was in the hallway. I was doing things for pastor, the pastor we were serving out in Tulsa. I was over in that building. Uh, I don't even remember now what was happening, but for some reason, I, I, this scripture stood out to me. Though we walk in the flesh, we do not war in the flesh. And I don't remember what the circumstance was I was facing in that time, but somehow when I looked at this scripture and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled, the Holy Spirit said, 
The problem is you. You are not in obedience. When you take care of the disobedience, and, it, and it, I remember it was something God told me to do that I, I was afraid to do. How, how many of you have ever been a, afraid to do that? And, and, and he said to me, I, I was so clear. I never had seen that because most people stop after bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. And that's the end of the scripture. That's the first time I saw it. Everybody say revelation. revelation. There are times where God will bring to you a scripture and it'll just like penetrate your heart. It's like, you know, it was, it's like you get it for the first time or it's, it's new. It's a new thought, but it speaks to you truth. And from then on, whenever I think of this scripture, I don't think about, though we don't war against the flesh, I always think of that scripture. When my obedience is correct, I can punish disobedience. If I'm not doing the right thing, then I have no guard against what the enemy is trying to do. The wall is down. And Jesus said, the enemy is coming for me, John 14, after he assures us of the Holy Spirit going to be with us. And he says, uh, let not your heart be troubled. Be at peace because my peace I give to you, not as the world gives to you, do I give. Let not your heart be troubled is the end of the scripture. Then two verses after that, he said, the enemy is coming for me, but he will find no place. Yeah. Everybody say no place. No place. No place. What he was saying was, and the only thing about Christ, if you read it in Philippians chapter two was he was obedient even to the point of death. And it says in Revelations 12 that we overcome by the blood of the lamb, the word of our testimony, and not loving our life even unto death. Being obedient sometimes feels like death. But there cannot, that cannot happen because the word of God is true. If you obey God, the blessings of God will overtake you. And that's life. That's not death. And that's God's will. That brings joy to the Lord. The word obedience means attentive hearing to listen with compliant submission, assent, and agreement. Has nothing to do with the way people treat you. Has nothing to do with your emotions. Has nothing to do with anything other than an absolute decision that I am going to be attentive, I'm going to hear, I'm listening with compliant submission, uh, with assent and with agreement. I'm going to do whatever God is telling me to do. And obedience, this is me, what I wrote down, obedience is an act of discipline and self-control. Galatians 5.23, we have the fruit of self-control. We have self-control. If we exercise it, the more we exercise it, the easier it becomes. And then the self-control is saying, you know what, my flesh wants to do this, but I'm punishing that disobedient flesh because I know it's taking me the wrong direction. I'm punishing this mind that's not thinking right because I know the way to think right. And therefore, I'm going to do what God said. Let's stand to our feet. It is really, honey, if we realize that our unrenewed mind becomes our enemy and that our flesh is always our enemy and will never be our friend, uh, then we understand we're on a military assignment for the Lord and that we need to be self-disciplined. We need to buffet ourselves. We need to, dis, to di- just come against that disobedience and do whatever it takes to say, I'm going to do the will of God. It's well, just yeah, and We're in a fight. Everybody say a fight. Fight. We're in a fight of faith now. Uh, you know, once you know the word, then you have to live the word. 
because that's where the fight becomes. It's not in knowing it any longer, it's in doing. And uh, I believe that uh, I've watched how the enemy's trying to take apart people's lives. Uh, you know, young people, uh, it doesn't matter the age. He, he's trying to seduce them into a life that will destroy them. And he's doing it through self. It, it's what about me? What I just, you know, all these things that we think. And when we're all, we're all, we're all like that. You know, even Pastor Bill and I, I like to have my own way. And I'm sure you all like to have your own way. But we have to make that decision that, you know, we're going to do it God's way, even if it isn't the way we really want to do it. Why? Because we understand that if we are obedient, the blessings of God are going to overtake us. And uh, there have been times even in our lives, I want the blessings of God on my kids. I want the blessings of God on those that I have responsibility for. So uh, sometimes you just have to make a sacrifice and be obedient if you want to see that happen. Would you bow your heads with me just for a moment? We'll pray in just a moment.